I would rather have a subject matter expert whose writing is pretty good than an amazing writer who doesn't know what they're talking about because it's <laughs> always going to have that clash of like not getting enough insight. You're listening to the B2B Revenue Executive Experience, a podcast dedicated to helping executives train their sales and marketing teams to optimize growth. Whether you're looking for techniques and strategies or tools and resources, you've come to the right place. Let's accelerate your growth in three, two, one. Welcome everyone to the B2B Revenue Executive Experience. I'm your host, Chad Sanderson. Today we're talking about how to leverage your content to generate leads. Everybody wants more leads and content is a critical element in the current sales and marketing environment. To help us, we have with us Brad Smith, founder and CEO of Codeless, a content production company for some of the best SaaS sites out there. Brad, thanks for taking the time and welcome to the show. Chad, thanks so much. Appreciate it. All right. So before we jump in, we always ask a little weird question so people get to know you a little bit better. Curious to know, with all this extra time we've had working from home, what have you been able to get involved with, a hobby, a passion, something that you've been able to spend some time on that you probably weren't doing before? Yeah, it's a good question. It's funny because we're actually a, a remote company anyway, and we have been for a while. So, it's, so <laughs> I almost feel, Yeah, I almost feel busier too, if, if that's even weirder. So this is going to be a terrible answer, but I've been working almost more. Uh, we're coming out with like, new things. We're actually closing. We're acquiring a product company that's super similar to what we already pro provide for clients. So I've been like crazy busy on a lot of nice. that stuff. Outside of that though, uh, I would usually say like watching soccer. I, I like to watch uh, like the English Premier League and other stuff. None of that's on right now. So right. it's slowly, slowly starting to come back. It's a little boring. I've actually been, this is super nerdy, but I've been re-watching sports on YouTube. <laughs> they put, um, they put like classic matches on both in soccer, but then they also have like old boxing matches. And so I've been nice. trying to like, trying to catch up with that stuff and not, you know, not get too fat uh, <laughs> in the last few months either. So that's about it. Awesome. I can, I can completely understand that. I actually had to put a gym in because I couldn't, I couldn't not work out. I didn't want to get the, what do they call it? The Corona 15 or whatever they <laughs> yeah. call it, right? Yeah, All right. Exactly. So let's start with this, um, with the concept of content production. So, you know, the, the, the company is a content production company. So why should content be produced rather than just created? And, and what does that all entail? Yeah, definitely. So in a nutshell, what we're finding is that I'll, I'll, you can't create content today like you did 15 years ago when the world was new and, and the whole content marketing thing was new. It's just too competitive. So most of the competition you're up against are getting savvier. They're creating longer articles. They're creating more in-depth stuff. They're interviewing people. They're adding uh, more images. And so part of it is like, how do we kind of continue to push the pace and go above and beyond that? So we work commonly with designers, developers, videographers, multiple different people involved in like producing one piece of content. That's part of it. And the other part of it is also volume too. So we do something like 250 articles a month. That's a lot. That is a uh, lot. <laughs> but we have, so essentially, we have small teams built out that are all working on individual deliverables. And, and a, a big reason of that, again, comes back to content quality and competition and just the fact that what used to work doesn't work any longer. Okay. And so when we think about content, you know, I, I, I was in marketing at the start of my career and now it moved into sales. But so when you think about it, though, there was this concept of turkey legging or, or creating a, a, a centralized piece of content to, to kind of 
create littler pieces. Like, you know, you take a big article or big ebook, you can do some tweets or social media or something like that with it. Are there other ways that people should be determining how to repurpose content they have or using content that they may not be thinking of as content, but that could be turned around and used to their advantage as well? Yeah, definitely. There's a, there's a ton of them. I think the point you brought up is a good one. Um, there's also look at your byproducts. So in other words, if your support team answers the same questions every day, or if you're, if you're like sales and you're talking to um, individual prospecting customers, you probably get the same types of questions every day. And you probably email them something that sounds very similar to the other 10 emails you just wrote. So looking, trying to mine those byproducts of just like the natural work and communication you already have is, is a good starting place. So um, it's awareness. Yeah, exactly. For sure. <laughs> keep, keep like a little spreadsheet or something or a little document, ongoing doc, where you're like, hey, I, I tend to get that question or hey, I, I, I think that this is like an important thing that people should become more aware of and just kind of like save and bank a lot of that stuff until you can actually flesh it out a lot more. That's part of it. Uh, even meetings too, like meeting recordings can bring a lot of that raw material that could you could then eventually flesh out. Or nice. if, you're, if you're doing like voice memos and notes like after a call, because I like I always forget what I <laughs> what I talked about, you know. Right. Like later. So um, taking that stuff and then working with someone externally, like an assistant, uh, uh, even like a marketing rep or person. A lot of times we'll pair like uh, someone a technical expert with a writer, so the technical expert can kind of give like the eighty twenty, like the the main points of this article or this piece of content. Then the writer, whoever, can kind of take it and run with it from there. So that's that's a huge one for sure. Also data too, like you shouldn't have to go create like a webinar from scratch. So you, you should be looking at like where are leads already coming from? Like what are they already referencing on our sites? What do we already know works well? So for each major topic, you should in theory have in your mind like two or three angles that you already know work really well. So for instance, off the top of my head, if we're talking about Google Analytics or someone wants to know something about Google Analytics, like one of the first angles that I already know works really well is Google Analytics data is, your, your Google Analytics data is wrong and it's probably lying to you, here's why. And so you can kind of like, and I just know that it works because we've tested it on multiple sites, we've done webinars with it, we've done other content with it. And so you can kind of reuse the same angles and just update the information. And it's kind of like repurposing, but in a, a more clever way. Nice, and so if you think about, man, because you said what, 200 articles? A month, that's like, that's a big lift. So somebody listening to this is probably going, crap, how am I going to, how am I going to get a team together to do this? So how do you budget or assign internal resources to not only just do it once, but to do it yep. consistently? I mean, you're talking about a mad dash for some companies. Yeah, for sure. So we structure it like an assembly line and we specialize roles as much as possible. So for instance, writers, our writers are not required to do email. They're not required to sit on company meetings in a lot of cases, or even with client meetings. Account managers take over that kind of work. We also have like strategists or editors looking at different things. So for instance, editing is like a black you know, box of like, <laughs> who knows how long it takes, who knows right. who's gonna do it. So we have a senior editor look at like accuracy and factual information. Um, okay. So again, they're a subject matter expert in most cases. Then we have an account manager do like your basic copy edits. And the reason we do that is because we don't want senior editors who cost a lot more to waste time doing stuff like copy edits, but on the same, you know, on the same line, the account manager doesn't have the experience to be able to do the like deeper dive heavy edits. And so structuring out like a consistent process is, is the starting point. And then from there have different content types. So for instance, here's how our how to article should look. 
here's how our list article should work. Here's how our uh, case studies should look. And then they have like the same basic, you know, subheading structure and everything right. else. So, so the, the format is consistent. And then whoever's doing the actual work, it actually cuts down on the time it takes them to, to do this stuff. Because if you've done, if, you've, if you know these topics and you've written the same, you know, intro, there's only like three ways to write an intro. <laughs> and so if you just kind of like make it a little more formulaic for people, uh, it tends to help them spend more time on like the actual, you know, writing or content creation, less time on just figuring out all the minutiae. Okay. And so that's, that's what gives rise to that. Cause as we were prepping, there was something that said, you know, two Xing output at half the cost. That's, that's the secret sauce right there. Make sure you've got it processed out. People centralized and focused on the things that you know that they can be very efficient at. For sure. Yeah. That's a huge part of it. Um, and then the other part of it too, goes back to repurposing in different ways. So for instance, we'll, we'll commonly take our top content and now go back and say, okay, let's add more video or let's go back and add more unique pieces. And then to one of your points earlier, we can reuse that video on LinkedIn. We can use it on social. We can use it in email. It's a new format. People aren't going to remember that they are. Maybe have read right. it or may have read you know, certain parts of it. Another thing that we see with international clients especially is taking the initial content and then translating it in new languages. So a lot of times it's a lot easier to rank and to compete in like second, third world countries in, in their own native languages as opposed to just focusing on North America. Right. where it tends to you know, have the most resources allocated and other stuff. So that's another like really kind of easy thing to add to the end of the assembly line is once content is produced and published, then what's the next step for getting it to our Spanish speaking people or, or whatever the case is. So localization. All right. All right. And so does this all have to be done, done internally? I mean, I can't imagine that every company out there is going to be able to do all of it internally. Some of the large ones, sure. But if you're working with an outsourced company or you're working with outsourced individuals, how do you make sure you're getting quality people, especially writers? Like, right. Everybody thinks because they have access to a keyboard, they're a writer. And that's yeah. not necessarily <laughs> the case. So I'm curious how you figure that, how do you crack that nut? Yeah, it's, uh, it's tricky. So <laughs> we, I'll tell you what we do and I'll maybe relate that to like what clients should be looking for, but, or, or people should be looking for when they're hiring. Internally, we test a lot of people before we need them is the short answer. Okay. So, if, if we think we're going to need to, uh, you know, we're going to do X amount of articles next month, we're already testing 10 people internally and we're going to hire two or three of them. Okay. And we might give them like, and these are a lot of times these are all paid tests too, by the way. So we're, we're just factoring that into the cost of doing business and that a resume doesn't tell me if someone's a good writer. You know? So, or even a meeting, like we don't do a lot of calls with, with writers initially because that doesn't help us. That doesn't tell us anything. So we just go, all right, here's what we want. Can they follow directions? So especially in a remote work from home environment, you can't just like knock on their cubicle and ask them like, Hey, does, did you do that properly? Or based on my instructions, you kind of need to like give them the video, the instructions, and then the deadlines, and then see if they can kind of figure it out on their own. So when we're looking for writers, we're not always looking for like the most eloquent, clever writer. We're looking for the person who can fit the process and who also knows what they're talking about. So I, I would rather have a subject matter expert whose writing is pretty good than an amazing writer who doesn't know what they're talking about because it's <laughs> always going to have that clash of like not getting enough insight, you know? Right. Absolutely. All right. So let's get a little more actual here. Can, can you outline any simple steps that our listeners could take that might get them links and mentions from some of these top sites or, or increase their visibility? Yeah, definitely. So this is going to sound backwards, but I, I'm trying to uh, recommend that people spend more time on the asset and less time on the 
promotion and advertising. And what I mean by that is, especially when it comes to writing, most people want to be cheap and they don't want to pay that much money because they have yeah. this like artificial number and or cap in their head of like what an article should cost. The problem is it makes advertising and PR a lot more expensive because your thing sucks. So, <laughs> if, so if, even if you're working with like a PR company and you're like, and they're doing outreach to journalists and they're trying to promote this thing for you, if that thing isn't good to begin with, then they're going to have to spend way more, more time in it. If you're advertising, you're going to have to spend a lot more in terms of like cost per click, cost per lead, right. all that kind of stuff. If you take the asset, if you have like a better angle, going back to that conversation, if you have a better idea from the start of something that's interesting, timely, it's built for promoting it essentially. And then if you put more resources behind it, like video design, all that stuff, it makes it really easy to link to. It makes it really easy to get journalists um, interested in it because they have like these ready-made assets that are unique and a little more proprietary to you versus like the same soundbite that, you know, 10 other executives in the same space are going to give them. Yeah. Love it. All right. So tell us about Cod- Codeless. How, how'd you get the idea to found the company? What's the journey been like? Where, where did this come from? Yeah. So I, my background is in SEO actually. And over the last, whatever, 15, 20 years, SEO has got a lot more challenging. And <laughs> we, we were running into the problem of like, you can't really do SEO anymore. Like you can't really do everything in SEO because it's just so difficult. You would need a team of like dozens of people just in each little, little vertical. So you have, mm-hmm technical SEO, you have on-site, keyword research, content, PR, link building, like it just goes on and on. <laughs> and so we started finding this little space that was growing for really long form in-depth content. And at the time, it was a lot of directed at SaaS companies and technology companies because they were finding it work really well. And it was helping them acquire a lot more customers for a lot less uh, on a per lead basis. Content's an asset. So the, the payback period isn't you know, two months like it is with advertising, but right. it might, but in months 12 through 24 to 36, it's huge and it continues to grow in, in, in quality. So we started finding this little niche where uh, I started working with a lot of big like advertisers, like Ad Espresso, Wordstream, Kissmetrics, like everyone in the marketing space with a lot yep. of marketing tools. From there, it just started snowballing where cybersecurity has become huge in the last five years. And there's a huge need there now for, for their type of service. Same goes with like finance and other spaces. And so now we work with service companies, affiliate publishing companies, where what it takes to actually rank and perform the type of content or produce the type of content that works has gotten really challenging. And so it's kind of opened up an area or an opportunity for a company like ours to step in and, and help, help a lot of people kind of outsource all that stuff. Nice. I love it. I love it. All right. And so we have talked about the current environment. Yeah. So what, what's changed as a result of, of the current environment for you guys? Yeah, that's a good question. Unfortunately, a lot of coronavirus related stuff gets published these days. <laughs> so if you're trying to pitch, because we also have a PR and link building arm. So if you're trying to pitch content to big publishers, if, if you have something, if you, can, if you can relate it back to something that's timely, unfortunately, that's yeah. what's tending to get moved. We, we had a lot of evergreen stuff, for example, in the queue, and it all got bumped when everything started happening in the last few months. I think you could do it cleverly though. And so um, uh, a friend of mine, a company that's really cool out there right now that's called candor.co, I wanna say. I hope I'm getting that right. Uh-huh. They came out with a, uh, a list, a database of all these companies laying off and hiring right now. And it's updated in real time and it's crowdsourced. And then they also have created stuff off of that. So for companies that are laying people off, like a database for talent to hopefully help them get rehired. Nice. And so they've, 
that's like something that's super simple, but it's gotten them links on VentureBeat and a bunch of other huge places because it's super timely and it's super valuable. It's, it's, it's got like a couple thousand employers in there. And wow. like I said, it's, it's a lot of the information is crowdsourced. So daily, weekly, you have people going in there saying like, hey, company X is doing layoffs or company Y is seeing a huge growth in this area. And so they're ramping up hiring for engineers in California or, or whatever the case nice. is. So if you, can, if you can connect it to stuff that's timely in a clever way, I think that's the key. Because you, you see messages like, you know, here's what T-Mobile's stance on keeping people safe is. And it's like, no one cares, you know, <laughs> that has nothing to do with like, no one right. cares about T-Mobile's stance, but Kiva, the microfinancing, micro lending company came out with like a, a school curriculum, a course curriculum for kids. Cause everyone's like home with their kids right now on teaching, helping you teach your kids how like about the world and about poverty and about how to help other people. So I think that's like a perfect example of right. taking what's happening and making it interesting and then also relating it back to your brand. Love it. Love it. All right. So let's uh, change direction here a little bit. We ask all of our guests two standard questions uh, towards the end of each interview. The first is simply as a founder, that makes you a prospect for a lot <laughs> of people out there. So there's a lot of people trying to get your attention and get on your calendar. I'm always really curious to know if somebody doesn't have a trust, trusted reference or referral in, how do they capture your attention and, and you know, earn the right to some time on your calendar? That's a really good question. Uh, I tend to ignore or avoid 99% of those. <laughs> so if, if they don't, if coming through is, is always the best. Even it's, it's simple too though. If you just look at like a, con, like a third connection on LinkedIn and ask for an intro, it's really easy if you do like a little bit of effort to get right. to people, but no one, no one does no that. No one does it. So this, the second way would probably be like helping me with something. So if you, I'm trying to come up with an example off the top of my head, but if like, if you noticed our company I don't know, sucks at like Twitter. And you were like, hey, I just wanted to like give you, you know, give you an update. Like I, I think what you guys are doing is really cool, but like I noticed this thing could be a little better. So I just offered to like do it for you or help you out with this problem. That would probably get my attention for sure because it's it's unsolicited, but it's helpful to me. Right. What's not helpful is it's like, hey, can you update your old post with this link for me? Or all those types of like asks right out of the gate when it's right. someone old. That's usually kind of like a, a, a direct way to the trash. <laughs> Yeah, we, uh, we, I do, I do the same thing. So, cause we teach sales organizations how to prospect among other yep. things. Every time I get a crappy email, that's just, I just forward it to the CEO and say, Hey, if you're interested, I can help you fix this. Yeah, um, I, I think it's perfect. And another thing we're doing too, uh, on for sales on the, for the PR link building company, we're just naturally linking to people, companies in a similar space where it makes sense based on the stuff we're already doing. So if you're going to like, think about it this way, if you're producing a piece of content for, and you're trying to get a journalist to cover it or a blogger to cover it or promote it for you, I would assume you would naturally talk about other companies in the course of that because right. you're referencing external sources who are experts, their quotes, whatever. And so we're now running campaigns. We're starting with LinkedIn retargeting campaigns and then we're doing direct outreach where it's like, hey, we link to you. We just think we're, like, what you do is really cool. We link to you in this article you know, we'd love to connect or whatever, but we're, we're trying to, to follow that process where it's like, how do we just help them first? Yeah. Um, and then, first. you know, yeah, exactly. And then it's, it's num a numbers game at the end of the day. Yeah, absolutely. I love it. All right. So uh, last question, we call it our acceleration insight. If there's one thing, just one piece of advice you could tell sales, marketing, professional services, people that if they listen to you believe would help them crush their quotas or hit their targets, what would it be and why? I think more people should spend time and money on the asset. And so we talked about how that applies to advertising. But even if, like I said, we're talking about like a, like a proposal or a pitch deck or a, 
uh, an email that we're going to send. Spending more time figuring out how that should look and what should be included and what shouldn't be included and how to make it better and how to add video, like maybe a personal video message, like really figuring out that it's really easy to then replicate that. Right. So if you're not like, if you're if just in dollars and cents, if I'm sending out a hundred emails to sales prospects and I'm having to write each one from scratch, like that's really time consuming and, <laughs> and half of those are going to be good and half are probably going to suck. But if I really nail down what the template should look like and by template, I mean, you're still going to have really customized things in that, but I already know like what it should look like more or less and where that information is going to come from. It should be a lot easier and less you know, time intensive and, and my leverage should be better. My output and my production should be a lot better and, and it should take me less time. I just have to spend the initial whatever. Uh, you're just investing the time or, somewhere else, right? Early stream exactly. in order to drive, yeah, drive the yeah, return on the like, back end. Yeah, exactly. Like the more process driven you can make your, whatever your asset is, if it's a piece of content, if it's a webinar, if it's a sales script, like the more time you can spend refining that versus like the ad hoc refining as you go, typically like I find the better the, the results are. Awesome. Excellent. All right, Brad, if a listener is interested in talking more about these points or wants to get in touch with you, where do you want us to send them? Uh, you could go to our, our website at getcodeless.com and find a lot more about who we are, what we do, and a bunch of the companies we work with. We also do a, an article audit. And so maybe I'll, we'll set up a landing page for value selling just off of getcodeless.com. Basically, just go in there and drop in some information. And if everything looks good and it looks like it might be a good fit, then we'll just like go through your article or go through your content and say, here's what looks good. Here's what doesn't look good based on what we've seen and based on the market and what we would recommend kind of improving or, or fixing. So that's just kind of like a, a free offer that we do for a, a limited number of people each month. Nice. Love it. Appreciate that. All right. Thank you so much, Brad, for taking the time. It's been an absolute pleasure to have you on the show. Awesome. Yeah. Thanks, Chad. I appreciate it. All right, everybody. That does it for this episode. You know the drill. B2Brevexec.com. Share it with friends, family, coworkers. Leave us a review. Until next time, we at Value Selling Associates wish you all nothing but the greatest success. You've been listening to the B2B Revenue Executive Experience. To ensure that you never miss an episode, subscribe to the show on iTunes or your favorite podcast player. Thank you so much for listening. Until next time.